0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Bible says in verse number 7, "Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth?" Notice in the very beginning, it says ye did run well. Something happened. It's the idea of you were on track and then you got bumped off track. You got derailed. Somebody came along, you were running a race, and then they interrupted you and they hindered you in that race. But the bottom line is that it says at the end of the verse, they're not. And we need to be careful that we're not falling into the same trap of not obeying the truth. You know, there's a difference between being saved and then living the Christian life. <laughs> a lot of people have been redeemed. They're saved. But then something happened in their life where now they're not going forward. They're shifting gears and they're actually going backwards. And that's a hindrance to our walk. Paul's trying to help them out. Galatians is trying to get us some help. We don't lose focus of the gospel, the grace of God. Bible says, who did hinder you? See that you did run well. Then it goes on to say, who did hinder you? Who's the one that cut you off? These Galatian people under Paul's ministry, they were making some headway. They were obeying the truth. Which, by the way, when you see this run well, and at the end of verse number seven, obey the truth. Running well is coincided to obeying the truth. You want to run a good race in this Christian life? It's real simple, at least in this verse. Obey the truth. Obey the truth. But they've lost some steam. How many of you have ever lost some steam in your Christian life and you just need you need to find a way to get that second wind? Any runners in here? My sister was a runner and she would run long distances. And uh, there's this idea of when you get your second wind, you start running real well in the beginning. And then you're like hurting. And then you get to a point where that second wind kicks in. We all need that. But they lost some steam. And who's responsible for this? Who's the one that's causing the hindrance? We get to a point sometimes in our life where we just get disgusted. We struggle with bitterness. We struggle with resentment. And we ask who, and we need to be careful. We don't point up. Because it's not God's fault. Um, Look at verse number eight. It'll bring us to that thought. You didn't run well. Who did hinder you that should not be the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that that calleth you. I can tell you from the authority of God's word, who's not responsible for this, it's God. God is not the one who is hindering these Galatians. God will not be the one that's hindering you. We can't look to God and blame God because we're bitter or we're upset or we're resentful because things aren't going as well as we want them to go. Paul knows from this that there is a source. There's a source. Anytime we would get derailed from our Christian life, from a false teacher, which these Judaizers have come in, and they're trying to take away... The the freedom and the liberty that comes from the gospel of grace. And they want them to do all these types of law keeping to be right with God. We already went through all that. But Paul knows that there's a source to this. And he's trying to further prove this point by saying the source of influence that you guys are going through doesn't come from the Lord. This source of where this legalistic teaching is coming from, it's not from God, but there is a source. And look what he says in verse number nine. A little leaven, at the whole lump. A little bit of influence that's wrong in a little itty bitty way is eventually going to spread to the whole if, if it's not dealt with. Paul's going to deal with it <laughs> in today's world of contact tracing. <laughs> Paul is going to do some contact tracing and Paul's going to try to show them where where the source is. OK, where the source is, where where did this virus come from? <laughs> this this virus of leaven that will leaven at the whole lump. Where did it come from? Sometimes leaven is just there from the start sometimes somebody comes in and a false teacher comes in and there it goes you get a little bit of leaven and it starts to spread slowly but nonetheless it slowly spreads and it'll start to affect the whole lump the whole loaf uh how many of you kids like brownies yeah you like brownies don't you if uh now we we have 15 acres we we live on a farm and farm animals are good for a few things. One of them is fertilizing the ground, uh, and you know how they do that—they basically pee and poo all day. Now, if if you're going to make some brownies, that's what farm animals do. You got to keep them clean. You got to keep the pastures clean, and and, and all this goes into farming. But if you're going to make brownies, and you took just a little bit of cow dung and put it in there for the brownie <laughs> recipe. Just a little bit. Not in, not even enough to know that it's there. Mom and dad, like you won't even taste it. Would you eat the brownies? No, you wouldn't eat the brownies. Some of you want to get off the topic because it's so. you might have brownies waiting for you at home. You don't want to eat the brownies because it ruins the whole thing. But it's just a little bit. Doesn't matter. A little bit will ruin the whole. I want to say that to say that I understand we all have a long ways to go reading and studying and the Bible and living the Christian life. I get it. I understand that. We need to be real careful that a little leaven doesn't leaven up the whole lump. Somebody wants to bring into the church house or into this local assembly Well, did you know in order to be saved, you really need to have God's grace and then this? I'm telling you, that's going to ruin the whole love. This is what Paul's dealing with. They were saved by grace, and now they're departing from that. And they want to add, well, circumcision, and then to just start. As soon as you add that, you're going to have to add something else. And it's going to ruin the whole thing. Because grace is grace because there's no works with it. No works at all. Adding Jewish law. Adding rituals. All it does is take true biblical Christianity and it turns it into a franchise type of religion. And religion always has and always will enslave. That's what religion does. It enslaves you. Jesus Christ is the one who saves you. Religion enslaves Jesus saves. And if it's circumcision this week, it's going to be water baptism next week. And if it's water baptism next week, next month, it's going to be something else that you've got to add to the gospel. And look, it ain't the gospel. There's nothing you can do physically that's going to merit you God's favor I don't care if it's circumcision I don't care if it's water baptism I don't care what it is you and I are sunk we're sunk if we think we can add anything to the gospel look at Galatians 5 verse number 10 it says I have confidence in you through the Lord that you have none otherwise minded But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Let's get 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, turn back there. Paul is confident they will get it. How? Well, he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord. I have confidence in you. And he's confident they'll get it. A common way of thinking nowadays is We just aren't going to have confidence in anybody All we do is trust the Lord And I kind of get what people I think I get what people mean when they say things like that But Paul right here he says I have confidence in you Now it's through the Lord But nonetheless He's putting some confidence in man We all heard the saying, don't put confidence in man. Everybody hear that? and I get it just like you get it. Our true confidence is in the Lord, right? But you got to admit, these folks are messed up. Paul's saying, look, I got some confidence in you guys. You know what he's trying to do? Give them a little encouragement that you guys will come around. You guys will get it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Everybody knows this is is the charity chapter. Look at verse number four. Charity suffereth long. And is kind. Well, that doesn't make sense, Lord. You mean I have to suffer and that's kind? How do I do both? You just kind of realize how Christ suffered for you when you were in your sin. And these things kind of come to light a little bit better. But charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Well, I wish I had what sister so-and-so had. Well, I wish I had what brother so-and-so had. Well, I wish our church was like that church. Well, I wish that was, I wish our kids did what their kids did. Wow. That would just about ruin the Christian life for you. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own self-protection, self-reliance. I'm not saying I, I like to be a self-reliant. I'm a self-reliant type of guy. I'm sure most of the fellows here are, are the same way. We want to make our own way and provide for our own. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, in, in this chapter at least, um, how about thinking of somebody else? That's charity. That's what Paul is demonstrating to them when he says, I have confidence in you. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Charity doesn't get rejoiceful when somebody else falls, when another Christian has an issue or a problem that has to be dealt with. These Galatians got some problems. Paul's trying to help them he's got some charity. A lot of us do much better if we can just get a hold of some charity in our life. Rejoice rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Try to give somebody some truth. Help them out. <laughs> Help them out. Beareth all things. Not the things that you've already determined in your mind that you can bear, or that you're willing to bear, or that you've said, this is my tolerant point, and then you're gone. You're going to just check out. It says all things. Look, what I'm reading is it's easy to teach. It's easy to preach. It's hard to live. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, it shall fare. Whether there be tongues, it shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Paul says, I have confidence in you. He's showing them some charity. He's giving them some confidence. A lot of times Christians that live their life always expecting the worst are the ones that are the easiest to deceive. They're the ones that are miserable. They're the ones that are bitter. There's the one. You can't always expect the worst. You got to have some confidence, not for salvation, not ultimately, but you've got to have some confidence in people the way Paul is. Now it's through the Lord. If there was a Christian I'd want to be like, it'd be, it'd be Paul, okay? It's through the Lord. But look, he says, I have confidence in you. Have some confidence in your kids. Expect them to do well. Yeah, I know they misbehave here, misbehave here, misbehave here, misbehave here. Don't have them wake up tomorrow and say, we're well, going to misbehave again. No, say, look, I've got some confidence. in you. You're gonna, it's, a, it's a new day. It's going to be a better day. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, look, guys, I know you got off track here, but I've got some confidence in you. Today's a new day. Let's, let's get after it. Come on. He's giving him some encouragement. We just need to be careful how we judge things and how we judge people. How we put or don't put confidence in people. There's a context to it. It's better to take each situation as it comes to us. Let each situation fall or stand on its own merit. But it's easy to jump to conclusions because I'm sure you do. What I fall into doing is we take past hurts, we take past experiences, and then we just import them into the current experience that we're in. And it may be the furthest thing from the truth. Learn from the past. Heal from the hurts. But look, all I'm gonna be is a bitter preacher in 20 years if I say, Well, this person's gonna hurt me just like this person did. No, no, they're not. <laughs> all you're gonna be is a miserable, bitter Christian if you live your life, well, they're gonna hurt me just like those other people hurt me. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but look, you gotta have some confidence that the Lord. Is gonna work. I'm not saying just walk off a cliff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, look, let's take each situation on its own merit, and through the Lord, let's weigh out whether we're gonna put some confidence in it or not. That's what Paul's doing. I believe that's what he's doing. Um, okay, we all got that. Everybody good, good on that. Let's let's take a little, uh, let's do a little cross referencing here. Let's get Exodus 23. On one hand. Luke 15 in the other. Exodus chapter 23. Keep your hand in Galatians. But let's get Exodus 23. And we'll get Luke. Luke chapter 15. You got to remember the best. The best of men and the best of women have fallen. They've fallen in this Christian world. But you got to also remember this. The absolute worst of men and the absolute worst of women have repented and trusted the Savior and have gone on to do great things for the Lord. There's both sides. And we just need to be careful. All right. Exodus 23. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, if thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. God told the nation that if this happens to your enemy, go find his ox. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I was living back in Old Testament times and I was part of the nation of Israel, I'd say, Lord, do I, I really could care less about my enemy's ox let the thing be lost who cares that's not what the Lord told him now that's some pretty strong stuff because nobody wants to do right for their enemy matter of fact if he loses his farm animals well good it serves him right <laughs> he, he's my enemy and he's the enemy of God you know <laughs> now look at Luke 15 <clears throat> Luke 15. Then drew near unto him All the publicans and sinners for to hear him Pharisees and scribes Murmured saying This man receiveth sinners And eateth with them And he spake this parable unto them Saying what man of you having a hundred Sheep If he lose one of them Doth not leave the ninety and nine In the wilderness and go after that Which is lost Until he find it And when he hath found it he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. If we would just get the picture that the Lord wanted to get the nation of Israel to get, and what the Lord Jesus Christ wants us as New Testament Christians to get, the ox is lost and he's your enemy. Go find it if it's astray and bring it back to him. We look out there and we see dead people that are lost and on their way to the devil's hell. And we're comfortable because we got the 99. Everybody's safe within the safety of the fencing of the pasture. And God says, Go after the one. What good does door knocking do? What good does track passing do? What good does open air preaching do? What good does holding scripture signs do? What good does putting a bumper sticker in your car do? What good does wearing a hat that says Jesus saved or well now a mask that says Jesus saves? Then they want you to take that one off because now all of a sudden masks don't work because you brought in Jesus. But anyway, we'll, we'll let that one, we'll move on. You can't expect to not get bitter if you lose sight. We lose sight of that one. I'm telling you, our perspective in life is different. One. Yeah, but there are enemies. I know, and you were God's enemy. A lot of moving forward is going back to not forget where the Lord brought you from. And where the Lord brought me from. And we, as a family, as a team, here at our local assembly can do more spirit. I'm going to talk about physically and temporarily because we can do more temporarily and physically. If we focus on ourselves, we can have more cattle. We can have more sheep. We can have more oxen. We can have more stuff for ourselves. So we can, if we just focus on us, me, you. But if we can remember, there's one out there, that's why it's worth it, because there might be one guy, you knock on his door, he just says, man, I've just been waiting. This timing is perfect. Last year, I remember, it, it's coming to my mind as I'm talking about this. In life, I think Hannah was with, with us on this one. We knocked on the door, and I'm telling you, this guy opened the door, and he said, I, I said, we're Christians in the area. We're not JWs, or we're not Jehovah, we're not we're not Mormons. We want to come and tell you about Jesus Christ. He about teared up. He said, I was my girlfriend left me. My life's been miserable. I got saved when I was a boy. I walked away from the Lord. I was about ready to dial my old dealer as he's standing there with his cell phone in his hand. We got to minister to that man for a good, a good 10, 15 minutes. Now he never came to church. He had a solid testimony of salvation. What good does it do to knock on a door? Well, that did some good for well, one man in a in a town of how many thousand? It did some good. Did some good. So you gotta think, yeah. This people say, Well, you know, America's going to hell, and, and, and look, I'm telling you, I think it's on a bobsled, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna take the gospel to one person. Because one soul gets saved, it can affect another. And now you've got, instead of 11 work, and you've got a little bit of reviving. And that's what we want. That's how we want to encourage one another. Let's, let's get out there. It's not about meeting inside four walls. It's about getting some help from God's Word and going out of these four walls and helping one that would need to know about Jesus Christ as our Savior. So he's said Exodus twenty-three, Luke fifteen. Hope that makes brings a little, little little insight from God's Word. All right, now go back to Galatians five. <clears throat> he says, "I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded." He's changing his tonality with this remark. He's showing them that he is confident. We talked about that a little bit, that the source is the little leaven. And he's insinuating to them. And as he insinuates this way, he he builds them a little confidence. He says, look, I'm not insinuating I can trace this source back to you guys. I'm not insinuating you're the source. And then it goes on to say, but he that troubleth. Now go back to Galatians chapter 1. And it's going to be the 7th verse. Uh, Verse 6, rather. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. So they had the gospel. Unto what? Another gospel which is not another, meaning it ain't the gospel, guys. But there would be some, here it is, that trouble you and would pervert the gospel. And that's what perverts do. They turn the truth. They distort something from purity and they make it into something corrupt. That's a pervert. And they're perverting the truth. And anybody that changes the gospel of the grace of God is perverting the truth. Paul and, and God calls them out on False teachers, they want to cause trouble. That's their go-to. They want to shake the foundation of what's going on with the truth of God's word. They want to cause your heart and my heart, Christian heart, to have doubts and to have these distractions that are going to cause trouble in their life. They want the church to scatter. They want the flock to scatter. They want that you are their enemy and they want all your oxen to get left and to get lost rather. And they don't want to help you find them. that's what false teachers do. Paul's trying to help them out. God says there is judgment for that. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment. Verse number 10. Whosoever he be. Now they're going to suffer God's judgment. Paul's judging them. (laughs) And and it's okay for you and I to judge false teachers. It doesn't matter. Who the person is. Or who the group is. In this case it doesn't matter if they're high up in this. in, in, In Jewish law. And in Jewish rites and rituals. Paul's calling them out and somebody's esteemed of men, they got a big TV channel and TBN and they got a big, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands upon people that are being influenced them. I don't have a problem saying, Joel Osteen, you're wrong. Paula White, get out of the pulpit. And all the rest of them. Benny Hinn, you're a faker and you're a fraud. You can judge, if somebody wants to go public and send millions of people astray, you can judge that righteously and say, no, you're wrong. You are wrong. Will they listen? No, that's up to them. And that's up. But you can, you can judge it. Remember back in Galatians 1, I'll turn back there because if we kept reading, we would get to verse number 9. And it says, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received. Let him be accursed. That's a strong passage of scripture. And when you're witnessing to somebody, it doesn't matter if it's one on or, one or, or whatever. You have to. remember, It's OK for you to bring them to that passage and say, can you read verses seven through nine? And they read that and they say, "Okay, but you're telling me in order for me to be saved, I have to be water baptized. And if I'm not water baptized, then I am not saved. And the Bible says that's another gospel. And it says you should be a curse. Now, we're not against baptism. We're Baptist church. (laughs) Which when people ride by and they see the sign, they understand It identifies that that's a church that believes in water baptism for believers after they've trusted the gospel of grace and are in Christ and are saved. And now we go ahead and move forward and obey the Lord and water baptism. We're not for disobeying the Lord and not getting baptized. We're against disobeying the Lord by saying you got to get baptized to be saved. (laughs) And the same with circumcision. If it's not water baptism, it's going to be it's just. You just fill in the blank, which whatever it's going to be, it's going to be wrong. And that person should be a curse. Because it's another gospel. But here's what's interesting. Uh, look, we're going to get Acts 16 and Galatians, stay in Galatians 5. We get Acts chapter 16. Because as we move forward on Galatians 5 and the 11th verse. It says, and I, brethren. If I yet preach circumcision, so wait, Paul's preaching circumcision? Where do we get that? Get Acts chapter 16. Watch what, this an interesting uh, cross reference here. Acts 16, verses 1. Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him, that means Timotheus, Timothy would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now that Acts 16 verses one through three. Would give us some insight as to possibly why they would say, and I what Paul says, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, in other words. There would be some that could accuse Paul of preaching circumcision because in Acts chapter 16, he circumcised somebody. Who? Timothy. You see how they can accuse him of preaching circumcision? But what does it say why he did that? Look at verse uh, 3. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's in, in chapter 16. And took and circumcised him. Here's the reason. Because of the Jews. You know why he did it? Because of the Jews. He's trying to avoid the rub. He's trying to avoid the friction. That could be caused. Because it's Jewish influence. And you can't be. Influential with people. Or you can't get along with people. If you're constantly being this stubborn. Obstinate ox. Or bull. That just keeps breaking down the fence and just keeps you know spearing the other ox and it's just paul's not trying to be an obstinate bull he's trying to avoid the rub and he's got the right spirit with the right attitude which is what we should have the right spirit and the right attitude look if i can do something or not do something that is going to make it easier from somebody else and by the way We're going to start getting into how we handle our liberty that Christ gives us next Sunday. But Paul's not preaching circumcision. He's trying to find ways to get along with what's going on in that culture. That's all he's doing. And we'd be good to pray about having the right spirit and right attitude when we go into new situations. But if Paul was preaching circumcision, which he's not, he just circumcised Timothy. He's not preaching that as gospel. He's trying to avoid problems. And and and, but it says, and I, brethren, in verse 11. If I yet preach circumcision. Why do I yet suffer persecution? Why would he suffer persecution? From circumcising, from preaching circumcision, which he's not. From those that they think he is from those that are preaching. Answer. He wouldn't suffer persecution because of that, but he is. You know why? Then is the offense of the cross cease. If he preached circumcision. Then is the offense of the cross ceased. But the offense of the cross hasn't ceased. And you know what is driving them absolutely bonkers and cuckoo? The fact that he isn't preaching circumcision and he's preaching the gospel and the pure, unadulterated, that's it, the gospel. We're Christians in the area. We're just knocking on some doors, trying to meet some people and letting them know. That jesus christ came into the world to save sinners if you were to die today, do you know where you would go? Yes, where would you go heaven? How would you get there? I've been a church member all my life Wrong answer How would you get there well i've been baptized Oh and two if You're trusting in your church membership if you're trusting in your baptism Well, how would you get there? I believe I'm a pretty good person. Okay, compared to who? Compared to my neighbor. Okay, but but compared to God, you're not a good person. How would you get there? My daddy's been a preacher. You're not going to get to heaven on your daddy's (laughs) coattails. All of that is circumcision. All of it is something you can do in the flesh to merit God's favor. And Paul says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. They think you're a fool, but you're not. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It doesn't matter. I say this all the time. What's going on socially, politically, economically, or down here on this earth? It doesn't matter. There's no power. There's power in the word of God. There's power in preaching the truth of the word of God. There's power in telling somebody Turn to the word of God. Let me show you the gospel of grace so you can be saved from your sin. You can be forgiven finally. The chains are gone and you're not bound to circumcision. You're not bound to sacraments and rites and rituals. That's what he wants him to get. Who's going to hear that? Well, let's do the math. We've got 100 people. Maybe one. (laughs) Maybe one. Knocked on 99 doors and talked to 99 people. They were all saved. Which wouldn't be uncommon in the South, because if you're Southern, you're saved, apparently. (laughs) Living in the South doesn't save you either, by the way. (laughs) But everybody wants the manners of Christians, you know, the Southern hospitality and all that. They just don't want the giver of those manners. But what I'm saying is, the hundred person you talk to might be the one, might be that lost one. You want the offense of the cross? Paul says, here it is. You can't add circumcision. You guys are out of business. Any type of these little trinkets we want to hang and add off of the gospel of grace, it's not going to merit us anything. We are either going to come to the foot of the cross. Like I trust most of you have already done. You're going to come to the foot of the cross. Repenting. Of the fact that you. Are a sinner. And realizing that because you are a sinner. You are on your way to hell. And because you're on your way to hell. That doesn't make God a bad guy. That doesn't make God unloving. Or unforgiving It makes you And your state unforgiven, And it makes you a bad guy And you've got to realize That God is righteous In sending you to hell Because you are a sinner And because you have broken his command But I only broke one That's good enough Repentance of the fact that you've been trusting in something or someone else other than the meritorious work and Christ's merit 100% solely on the cross. And that you are deserving. And it is not God's fault and God is not a bad guy. He is a just judge that is righteously judging and giving you what you deserve. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's God's will that you and I don't perish and that no one perishes. We must bring that truth to them. I know it's tough to tell somebody they're a rebel. Try raging teenagers. (laughs) I know it's tough telling somebody, look, you're the enemy of God. Good to see you. Have a nice day come to our church. But we must tell them that they are a rebel and that they are an enemy of God. But this is where the good news comes in, is that when they get that idea in their mind, when they get convicted of that truth, you know what they're ready for? Grace. We got to look for ways, as soon as a hint of humility, as soon as a hint of you feel their heart being touched, grace. Because that's how God saves by His grace. We can't slam people into submission and beat them into the ground with hell and wrath and judgment. Without giving them the good news that Christ did it all for you. And shouldn't you be overjoyed? You don't have to do anything. Because you can't. You think you could. But that Jesus Christ, that is how much he loved you. And when they can get a hold of a fact of, how can a loving God love me, his enemy and his rebel? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. He's a gracious God. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. That's why the power is in the gospel. That's why the power is in the book. That's why the power is in Bible teaching and preaching. That's why the power is in expositional, going through the Bible, letting people see that the author of this book loves them. They're in love with everything, every trinket, every good work, everything you can imagine. People are in love with, help them to fall in love with the author of this book. And their life will change. It'll start to change. Might not happen overnight, but you'll start to see change. Last verse and we're done. Got one more. Galatians 5.12. Verse 12 says. I would. They were even. Cut off. Which trouble you. The Holy Spirit kind of has a way with words. <laughs> when Paul was inspired to write this. They're preaching circumcision. And Paul says I would that. Were even cut off. It, you You cut off everything. Good works, family lineage, rituals, sacraments, church membership, lodge membership, AAA membership. I don't care what membership it is. Paul says, you got to get rid of it all, guys. I don't care if it's circumcision. It'll be something else next week. All of that, get rid of and come to Christ with nothing. You must repent of all of it. Get rid of all of it. You say, well, I'm not trusting in that. For me, it was religion. I trusted in my religion. Even though I walked away from it when I was a rebellious teenager, I still held on to the fact. Well, if I flip enough beads and I wear my little, you know, Catholic scapula. And, you know, if I do penance, you know, two days before I die, at least I'll. Uh, you know, I might be in purgatory for two weeks instead of two years. and all you, you figure out all these ways to keep yourself right with God, which is all a Catholic does. We spend our life trying to die well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you got to weigh out what you're going to tell the priest because when you walk into Sunday the next week, you, you know, I know what you do. <laughs> and people live their life like that. The cross takes that all away. Jesus Christ takes that all away. And that's why he says, repentance, whatever it is you're trusting in, if it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, repent of it all and put all of your faith and trust in Christ. You won't, let me just qualify a thought and then we'll close. This idea, repentance is part of the gospel, by the way. But this repentance to be saved that's defined by you've got to get rid of all the sins in your life and then trust the Lord and repent of all your sins ain't going to do it. You've got to repent of what you've been trusting in, put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This this idea of Lordship salvation, I'm going to make the Lord of my life get saved. How do you know if you've repented of all your sins that you need to repent from? Everybody been saved? If you've been saved, you realize six months later, oh yeah, I shouldn't be doing that either. <laughs> well, I better change that part of my life, Lord. You You don't know all the sins that you... Have committed that you need to repent from you only know the ones that are coming to your mind now What about the stuff you did that sin that you forgot and what about the stuff that you've done? that You didn't know was sin until you got saved and read in the book. You're like, well, wow That's convicting lord That's called the christian life. That's called repenting daily. That's called dying daily. We do that but repentance toward the lord jesus christ means I'm trusting Roman Catholicism, trusting the Lord, trusting in the fact that my daddy's a preacher. Now I'm going to trust in the Lord what he did. I trust in the fact that life is going well. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm influential. I've got, I've got nice wealth. I'm trusting in that because I've done a lot of good stuff for my community. Nope. You got to trust in the Lord. That's why it doesn't matter. Rich or poor, black or white. It doesn't matter. Social status, high up, or low, homeless. You're going to tell that person the same thing. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul's trying to get them to realize. Get rid of everything. It's just grace. The cross of Jesus Christ frees a man. It gives you liberty and freedom. Liberty is the foundation. Where true biblical love. Can manifest itself. Paul's trying to lovingly manifest that truth by helping them look you're running well get off track and we help you get back on track thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of pilgrim baptist church we look forward to seeing you in the next episode in the meantime you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church